Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode one of our Euro Summer Detour. Now, it is literally like the title of the podcast suggests. It's just, uh, you know, a summer detour, a little bit of fun, a few casual podcasts, won't be every week, once every two or three weeks, just for a bit of fun in the off season before the Canberra MPL series kicks off again in the early season. I'll be back with... uh, Coach interviews, no doubt, uh, by end of January. And uh, by the end of November, I'm sure I'll have some sort of interview up with Ryan Grogan uh, before the their massive FA Cup match. It's good to be back on the mic. And yeah, just wanted to say that the uh, our MPL stuff is not over. That is still our main goal. This is just literally a Euro Summer Detour. Michael, sorry for the long-winded introduction. I just felt it was needed. How's it going, mate? How's your, uh, how's your life been? Yeah, life's life's been good. I think um, I think the long intro was sort of necessary just to sort of cover all the all the bases, um, which is which is good, and I appreciate you doing that. Um, but I, I've been good. Um, you were obviously in that sort of off season period uh, at the moment, but obviously we'll have that FFA Cup uh, Tigers FC tie to to talk about, no doubt. Um, when when that eventuates, uh, so looking forward to breaking that down with you, like always. But aside from that, I haven't really been up to a whole lot. Um, you know, just no- normal living, <laughs> Matt. Just uh, working. Um, haven't been playing football, obviously. Um, but I'll be looking forward to get back into that sort of um, around the new year. So haven't been doing a lot, but happy we can sort of get up get back on the mic and talk about um you know i think something else that we're relatively passionate about and it sort of you know highlights that we can talk about um european football um outside of what we normally do which is obviously the npl here in canberra so i'm looking forward to doing this you know once every two to three weeks like you said when we can so looking looking forward to sort of you know, providing that diversity with the with the podcast. That's it. Now let's get straight into it. Uh, the two uh, you'll see a theme. The two main leagues we we're usually going to cover is the EPL and the Serie R. That's because they're the two leagues Michael and I watch the most. But then after we talk about those two, we get into our quick hits, which is where we bring up you know the big results and news from other leagues and other clubs like you know Madrid, Barca, Bayern, PSG, UCL, mm. etc. Um, obviously, it'll change, you know, depending on uh, what our episode is for the uh, the by by fortnightly uh, episode. All right, let's get straight into EPL, shall we, Michael? Uh, no coincidence, uh, we're starting the podcast now and not last week or the week before, where you were very, very down and depressed on Manchester United. <laughs> let's get straight into that result. Big, big win for uh, them, especially for for uh, Ollie, um, where they won three one. Again, sorry, 3 0 against uh, Tottenham Hotspur. Ronaldo, Cavani, and Rashford with the goals. Mm-hmm. What do you think about this matchup before I ask you, is Oli, how long is Oli safe for? Yeah, look, if, we, if you had asked me this a week ago, um, I would have been in a slightly different neg- negative mood, uh, I, I would say, to put it, put it, put it lightly. But um, I think it's, it's the result against Tottenham. Um, was sort of typical of Ole Gunnar Solskjaer at Manchester United. 
um, what we've sort of seen over the last, you know, two and a half, three years, apart from his really good start um, to when he was um, obviously caretaker boss. But um, obviously the players needed to react. The team needed to react after that absolutely abysmal loss um, to, to Liverpool 5-0 uh, last week. Um, and it was probably as good as a reaction as you could have hoped for. And we, we have seen this so many times when just when it looks like, um, you know, Ollie is under pressure and the sack is sort of looming over his head. He, he manages to pull out a result uh, like this, um, you know, and I think a big reason for our sort of change in fortunes in terms of the result was the formation change. Um, we went away from that typical sort of 4-2-3-1 formation, which we've been playing for the majority uh, of this season and switched that to a 3-5-2 with Ronaldo and Cavani up front. So obviously boasting a lot of experience and goals to lead the line and it paid dividends massively, um, those two uh, working together. Uh, up front, we looked a lot more compact uh, and, and hard harder to break down. I think a reason for that sort of solidity in the performance as well came from Varane coming back from injury after a couple of weeks after he got injured in the UEFA Nations League. Um, so obviously his experience um, and presence helped us a lot. And at the same time, though, we were playing a Spurs team that is very poor at the moment lacking confidence and their own manager who has his own questions to answer uh, his own faithful sort of turning on him in, in a way it's not sort of all, you know, sunshine and rainbows at, um, at Spurs at the moment, but nevertheless, it was a good performance by um, United and it's the um, expected bounce back just when Ollie looks like he's going to, you know, be, be on the cusp of losing his job. He manages to come out with a result uh, like this one. Look, I wouldn't say it's uh, I wouldn't say it's completely safe, uh, only because you guys still have Atalanta to come, and then uh, more importantly, you've got the big match against City. Yeah. Uh, or do you think like that that wins enough if they get one win out of the two coming up over the next week is fine? It's tough to say. I think that obviously, I think the board have made it pretty apparent that. After the Liverpool game, his job was under serious threat, but the majority of the people involved sort of in the higher echelons of the of the club wanted to give him, you know, uh, more of a chance um, because, you know, they, they talk about this project that they want to keep believing in and that we need to take time and, and, and believe in. But um, it, it's, it's really hard to say. I think that from what I was sort of seeing uh, online anyway, um, these sort of next two or three games were pivotal in terms of his future. And the first one being this Spurs game, which he got a win in, but the next two games are going to be absolutely crucial against Atalanta and, and Manchester City. Uh, we need a win midweek in the Champions League, no doubt, to sort of cement um, progression to, or to higher our chances of progressing to the round of 16. But... Uh, the game against Manchester City will be absolutely pivotal. And I, I mean, if we put in a performance that is anywhere reminiscent of the one that we put in against Liverpool, then I don't see how he can survive. Um, I don't see how he can survive. And I think they would have to sort of pull the trigger 
um, at, at that point. I don't see him, you know, suffering a bad loss against City and not losing his job. I think it's just happened too many times now where they've obviously had this instance of the Liverpool result and they were really serious um, in terms of the considerations of whether they wanted to keep him on or not. And if he loses to City, I mean, I, I personally, I don't think they can keep him on uh, after that. You can't lose to Liverpool and Man City um, in relatively short periods of time. Um, and that would only put us further behind the title race, especially with the, you know, the deemed title sort of competing squad that we now have at our disposal. So it's a very testing sort of next um, two matches for Ole and his, and his future. But I, I think if he loses both or if he loses that City game convincingly, then he, then he could be gone for sure. Yeah, I think that's a big thing there. Can uh, Convincingly, if he loses, you know, Liverpool and City convincingly. And if... Uh, I, I know they had a great comeback against Atalanta, but I think one thing you need to uh, realise as well with that is, is that Atalanta were missing four or five starters in that matchup. Uh and considering, you know, the resources that Manchester United have over Atalanta, you're expecting that comeback. And it was, a, yep. you know, for, uh, for Man United, it was good to see. But as someone who isn't a United fan, I'm looking in. To me, it looks like if Oli do keep, if they do keep Oli, it's because he doesn't cause any issues for the board. He's not like your Mourinho, your Van Hals, who right. constantly every week have, having a go at the board, demanding mm-hmm. signings, this and that. And I see Conte is the man linked there. And... And I think, uh, while I think Conte will vastly improve the side defensively anyway, um, and probably going forward as well, uh, the issue I would have with that is that he will be that sort of person that will demand those signings. So I don't, I can't see Conte in there for that reason. I'm, I find it baffling when uh, Russell, Russell, have a go at me for this, but uh, I find it baffling when uh, United fans say, when United fans say, "Oh, Conte doesn't suit our system." Can you tell me what the system is? What is the identity of Manchester United at the moment? That's yeah, and that, so. You're, so yeah. at least Conte will bring you and some sort of identity because at the moment you guys don't have an identity. From what I've seen now, you know, yeah, uh, that's just a personal opinion. There, it doesn't mean it's fact by any opinion. Yeah. But from what I've well, seen, I, that's, I, you know, I agree with you, Matt. I don't think we have a definitive style of player. I don't think we have, you know, I, identity. I don't think we have a way of playing that most people could say, yes, that's that's how they play. This is how they like to play their football. It's sort of just in a lingo space at the moment in terms of what United are trying to do, given all the talent that they have. And that's one of Oli's biggest issues is that he hasn't been able to figure that out. And he's had two and a half to three years to do that. And he hasn't had any titles to show for it. So um, uh, those are the just some of the worrying signs but when you are so when you talk about a club like Manchester United you can't be firing off any of those things that I just mentioned you can't associate any of those descriptive um sentences that I just put together when you talk about Manchester United but that's what it's been like uh, under the guidance of, of Ollie but um uh, I definitely agree with you uh, on that on that front all right that's enough for Manchester United talk let's move on to Liverpool uh Doing very well in the first half, Michael. They were winning 2-0, mm-hmm. Henderson and Mane with the goals, but then Graham Potter's side with a great comeback. Brighton, that is, with a 2-2 draw. Uh, Miwepu and Trossard with the goals. I'm re- 
Obviously, it wasn't the uh, ideal second half performance from Liverpool, but that first half, they looked uh, they looked very good. Second half, Brighton, I've got to say, they deserved their draw. They looked very good there. Uh, of course, unfortunately for Liverpool, this means they drop uh, another two points behind Chelsea, so they're three points behind. I mean, look, in a in a, there's still a long way to go, and um, mm. no one's going to win every game. But I really, uh, despite this draw, I really like the look of Liverpool after their how they've been in the, how they've been going the Champions League. Uh, obviously, their match against uh, Manchester United as well. I really like the look of Liverpool, but wasn't the ideal second half. But I think, if anything, this is a credit to Graham Potter and Brighton. Uh, they currently find themselves seventh, Michael. What did you think about this matchup quickly before we uh, yeah. uh, move on to the next two? Yeah, um, I, I, I do believe that when you look at a result like this, it was a tale of two halves and it, it sort of looked like in the first half that Liverpool were just going to cruise uh, to to a you know a standard three points what we've become so sort of used to from Liverpool over the last sort of three to four years just their sort of in- insane consistency uh, in the league in terms of picking up results especially at home they're such a tough uh, tough team to beat um, at Anfield and you know after the first half and their performance you you know you, you were only right to assume that they were probably going to go on and win. Uh, get all the three points. Um, but I mean, credit to Brighton. And I mean, Brighton have been sort of the real surprise package so far in terms of teams that currently occupy that um, one to seven position table. Uh, it, sorry, in the in the table. Um, they're, they're doing fantastically well. They've gotten some, some fantastic uh, results. And um, yeah, Graham Potter's doing an excellent job uh, with, with Brighton. He's been there for a little bit now and you can see um, what... What style of play that they that they try and you know impose um, each and every week? Uh, they're a solid outfit. They've got some very good players uh, as well, uh, like Basuma in the midfield. You know they got Dunk uh, at the back. You know you got Trossard who who managed to get on the score sheet as well. Um, they, they've got a very good solid squad that you need in the Premier League that can definitely cause a few of the bigger teams uh, problems, and that was that's what they've proven um, to be already doing. Uh, this season, so it's only a credit to them to fight back and two very nice goals that they scored uh, as well, especially the first one by um, Muepu. Um, sort of just that like little cross yep. dink over the keeper. It was very similar to the goal that Yuri Tillman's scored against United a couple of weeks ago. I don't know if you saw that one, but very very similar goals. Um, so credit to Brighton. They're having a a great start to the season and we'll just see how long it can, uh, it can continue. And next up we have Arsenal two nil over Leicester. Gabriel, uh, we have Gabriel and Emil Smith Rowe with the goals. This is the early game on Saturday night, 10 30. So I was definitely able to catch the whole first, first half anyway, of this one. And I'll tell you what Arsenal looked, you know, mm. like a different side, didn't they? They, 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 they consider, uh, they looked really, really good. They looked threatening. They looked, you know, absolutely deadly on the on the counter and when they pressed uh you know they were just pressing at Leicester backwards you know literally all that first half uh this looked like a different Arsenal side in saying that though they have been um doing well recently they've gotten themselves up to sixth uh can can you see uh Arsenal having this consistency uh moving forward because if they put in this performance more regularly uh they should be I mean they're only three points off the top four now I mean, I say that as if Arsenal, you know, haven't been doing well the last few games. They're really, they've been getting there, but 
I guess the big thing is, can they keep this up over the whole season? Yeah, I mean, they've, they've come back in a big, big way from the start of the season. And I think what really highlights that is they're, they're on the same points as Man United. So that just speaks to how they've been able to sort of bring it back. And I remember at the start of the season when obviously they lost their first three league games in a row, they hadn't scored a goal. Um, and obviously there was a real cause of concern within obviously the Arsenal dressing room. And I have a lot of Arsenal um, supporting mates uh, as well um, that were, you know, livid with what had sort of transpired in those first three games. But at the same time, they had they had a lot of, pl- like quite a few players out as well. Like Arteta definitely didn't have his best 11 to start the season. And nevertheless, you should be doing better with the squad that you have considering you are Arsenal Football Club. And we sort of still hold them to a still hold them to a reasonably high standard. Um, they managed to bring those uh, players back, and they've they have managed to turn um, their results around and and their performances uh, as well. This is sort of the football that Mikel Arteta wants to be employing each and every week, um, and it, it's it's good to sort of see them um, back back in the winners' circle, um, building a bit of consistency. Um, they're on a good sort of run of form now, uh, as well as they're sort of pegging their way back up the back up the table. And you know, if they're able to sort of keep this level of of, of play, then why not um, challenge for the top four? Obviously, there's a lot of good teams in and around that top four, and no one really picked Arsenal before the start of the season to finish, you know, inside the top four. But um, to their credit, they're playing really well uh, under Arteta uh, at the moment. Yeah, no, it's uh, interesting to see, and I'm sure Arsenal fans will be very happy, like you mentioned, considering how the season started for them. Uh, next up, a City. Mm. <laughs> Losing 2-0 to Crystal Palace, I guess, is just the, uh, def- this is probably just the definition of a, of a bad day at the office. There was, a, of course, a red card involved in this one. Uh, what did you make of this one, 2-0 to Crystal Palace? This is just things you love to say, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> When you're when you're a United, when you're a United, United fan, a little bit of bias there, but yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I, I think Crystal Palace they have a tendency to play really well at, at Etihad. Um, they, they've proven to be a little bit of a bogey team for Man City over the last few seasons. I remember a couple of years ago when Palace won three two um, away at Etihad, and Andros Townsend scored that cracking volley. Um, surely you've seen that goal. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, an absolutely astonishing strike, and obviously they go there uh, yesterday and they they pick up another three points. Obviously, Wilfred uh, Zaha, a bit of a milestone for him as well. I think it was fifty uh, Premier League goals uh, for for Crystal Palace, the only player to to do so. So, um, a, a great day in the office for for Zaha and uh, Conor Gallagher. Now, this is a player that I've been very impressed with in the snippets that I've seen him play so far this season. Obviously, he's a Chelsea uh, a Chelsea loanee. He was at West Brom last season. Um, he has been fantastic for Crystal Palace uh, in, their, in their midfield, sort of linking up um, the midfield and the attack. Um, he, he's been excellent for Patrick Vieira's side. And um, I think they're going to cause, obviously, not only just Man City problems like what they proved to do last night, but I think they'll cause a few of those other big teams um, some issues as well because they've got some some good players uh, there. Obviously, they've got the the height of, of Ben Teke um, 
the recent signing of Edouard from from Celtic they've got up front there as as well. So, um, and especially when you have a boss in Patrick Vieira who's sort of obviously not had a lot of time in, in the management space, but you can see what he's trying to do, and um, that that showed when they beat Spurs uh, convincingly three nil um, at, at home earlier on in the season, and now they've picked up another big scoop in uh, in, in Man City. So. Um, a great result for them. But the thing is, whenever Man City lose a match, they always come back um, stronger um, the next game. Um, the, like they, they come back with a almost like a vengeance. So um, I'm expecting City to bounce back massively. Um, I just hope it's not at Man United's expense. They can do it in the Champions League. <laughs> uh, before we... Uh... Wrap up mm. the results and move on. I forgot, the, I forgot to say what I what I was going to say about Leicester. Uh, oh so, yeah, yep. Leicester hasn't hasn't done uh, you know hasn't you know hasn't been their season so far. Tenth on the ladder. I, I know mm. everyone was raving about them the last two years, but just I'm not sure if I said it to you, but I definitely said it to my other mates. I'm just like I can just see Leicester dropping off. I've said that the last two seasons and it's happened. So I didn't pick them for the top four this season either. And look, yep. obviously it's a long season, but so far it just sort of proving me right. I just for me, they're just not a top four side. Uh, obviously, they have some great players, and Brendan yeah. Rodgers is obviously a good coach, but yeah. I just don't think they're a top four side. And I really think this uh, match showed it. And then I, I say that, mm. and then uh, who do they have next week? Oh, it's Leeds. But uh, anyway, I was, I was about to say, then then you see what happens next. But we'll, we'll, we'll wait and see um, in that regard. All right, the, the other matches to wrap up around match day 10 in the Premier League are Southampton beating Watford 1 0. Chelsea beating with a big win over Newcastle 3-0. This, of course, puts them three points above Liverpool. Uh, Burnley with a very good uh, win over the Busy Bees in Brentford 3-1. Hmm. Leeds, uh, a crucial win for them, uh, beating Norwich City 2-1. West Ham, huge victory 4-1 over Aston Villa. Uh, got to talk about West Ham on the next podcast. They've had a, had a very good season as well. And there's another matchup, but that's not until tomorrow as of this recording, 7 a.m. This would have already happened by the time it goes out. Wolves against Everton. So that should be an interesting one as well. All right, next up, we got Serie A. Michael, what is our first game? So our first game, uh, we've got Juventus uh, losing at home to Hellas Verona. Um, and Hellas Verona have proven to be uh, aside boasting a little bit of confidence uh, recently, especially uh, in a striker uh, like Giovanni uh, Simeone, who who bagged a brace in in yep. this one. It was two one to Hellas Verona. Two goals for Simeone. Uh, Juventus's goal came from McKenney. Um, Matt, we had Chiesa and Delict on the on the bench for this one. It's been a, another difficult start to a season for Juventus. Um, what did you make of the uh, of the match? Because I'm sure you kept very close eyes uh, on this one. It's another loss. Uh, they seem to be just pegging back down further and further down uh, the table and really sort of making it very difficult for themselves to catch up to the Naplis and the AC Milans and the Inters. Yeah, Juventus are currently ninth as we speak below Verona, so good on them. Uh, look, Verona definitely deserves this win. I've been very impressed with Igor Tudor. Ever since he's come into Verona, uh, I mean, they, we saw them do well last season with Juric, um, but 
Then I had uh, uh, Eusebio Di Francesco come in at the start of the season, yeah. lost the first three games, and Verona were like, no, nope, we're not going to do a Cagliari. We're going to sack you right away. We're not going to wait, which is a shame because I thought uh, Di Francesco, I, I was a big fan of his at Sassuolo and at Roma when they Roma. he was the coach when yeah. they made it to the semifinals of the Champions League. But that guy's just fallen off a cliff uh, in his last <laughs> three jobs. I think he's he's probably, you, you won't see him in a top flight uh, Serie A job for a while, I think, because, yeah, he just... I don't know what's happened to him, but uh, anyway, Tudor's done a very good job. He was actually uh, assistant coach for a while under Peel or last year, actually, at Juventus. Yep. Um, and he obviously used to play for the club, so he's got the ties there. Look, they did a great job, Simeone, which is interesting because he's had a really good season this year, but he's been sort of an inconsistent. Like, yep. he did really well at Genoa. He didn't do too well. at. Uh, he had his moments at Fiorentina, didn't do that great. He was here and there at Cagliari, but it's, he, he seems to be doing well at Verona, so... Uh, I like Simeone as a player, but he's just been a bit inconsistent. So this is, mm. a, I mean, there's no bigger game for you to step up uh, in that regard. But look, Juve, absolutely horrible, absolutely pathetic. Um, it doesn't help, like you mentioned, Chiellini, Delict on the bench. Um, I said at the start of the season to you, I said, mm. look, I wasn't a fan of Pirlo, but at the end of the day, I said, I'd rather keep Pirlo than bring in Allegri. Do you remember I said yeah. that to you? Yeah, I, I, I don't want Allegri because look, he did a fantastic job for Juve. What five, you know, five six years ago, uh, two or I guess two years ago, more no, no, 2019 was his last yeah. year. Um, but look, I just think the game's passed him by. He mm. clearly hasn't learned. He he clearly did not watch the Euros where it, Mancini revolutionized uh, the Italian national team where they played the best football of the tournament. He clearly didn't watch any of the teams there where every, literally all the top teams, most of them were playing some great football. Um, and he's just still continuing with his prehistoric tactics. And I just don't think we're, Juve are going to get anywhere with him. In Look, in saying that though, four points off the top four. Look, I can see them, I can see them still making the top four. But at this point, they're what sixteen points off Napoli. I can't. I can't see Juve coming back. And if they do, that's a massive indictment on the league. Uh, but I just can't see Juve. I can, look. They can make the top four. I personally don't think. I don't think that we will. Yeah. Uh, we're definitely not going to win the title. That's uh, the t- current top three are going to be fighting for that now. But my big issue, Chiesa, not only on the bench when he plays, he. Look at Chiesa at the Euros. It's like he didn't watch him at the Euros, how great he was for Mancini. He plays him for Juve, and he reminds me of when when El Shadawi, do you remember when he was really good at um, Milan and yep. Allegri ran him into the ground with all the defensive work? Obviously, Chiesa is older at this point than El Shadawi was there, and he's a more developed player, so I don't think it's going to ruin his career or anything like that or set him backwards. But you're not going to see the best out of Chiesa, in my opinion, under Allegri, because at the moment he's playing this 4-4-2 on the left side where he's defending literally the majority of the game. And then he has to do everything between defending and attacking. There's a difference when you drop, you know, when you're dropping from the front to the back to try and create something, but he's dropping constantly to defend mm-hmm. and putting all this extra work. It, You know, in my opinion, Chiesa, you need to see Chiesa at the top of the field. Uh, he's been our yeah. best player. He was our best player last year with Ronaldo. He's been our best player this year by far, but, you know, when you get him to do all this defensive work, what do you expect? Uh, Delict, if I was him, I wouldn't be surprised if he leaves. Or we're conti- I know they had a great Euros, but we're continually playing Benucci and Chiellini, 35, 36 years old each. Look, Kier- Delict's one of the best young defenders. He should be playing every single week. I'm not, 
I don't care how well they did the Euros, Chiellini and uh, Benucci. He should be playing every week. Um, so, look, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes, especially with Rayler as his agent. Uh, McKenney, credit to him. He was one of the better players this game when he came on. So that was good to see. Uh, the midfields, you know, I've said this for a very long time. The Juve midfield isn't very good at all. But thank goodness we got Locatelli in. But Locatelli can't do everything in midfield. Yep. So uh, I saw that they're linked to Donny van der Beek. So maybe hey. Juve can get the best out of van der Beek if they get him alone. But we'll see. Look, at the end of the day, I don't think Juve are going to win the title. They might make the top four. But at the moment, uh, as a Juve fan, very, very disappointing. And I'm not an Allegri apologist. I was posting that, you know, that Homer meme where he, falls back into the uh where he falls back into the hedge and you don't see him again yeah. i was posting yeah. that in all the uve fan groups saying where are the allegory apologists now <laughs> look uh, look if you miraculously turn it around and win the champions league which won't happen but if they do hey i'll be the first one to say i i was wrong about allegory but i just can't see that happening and now before we move on they're now in uh their retreat sort of training thing where they don't come out uh, where they don't go home, they just stay at the uh, the the training ground there in Turin uh, until Saturday. Uh, obviously, they'll leave for the uh, to the stadium for the midweek game uh, against Zenit. But I I I I don't really see this as a that much of a benefit because yes, obviously the midfield needs a lot of work and parts of the defense as well. But and even the attack, let's be honest, Morata has not been good and Dybala has been here and there, always injured, but. It's not like Allegri's tactics are going to be changing, Michael. They're not going to change. Yeah. They're going to stay the same. So I just... And look, what's going to happen is we're going to have this thing and then they're going to beat Zenit because Zenit aren't that great. And then they might beat Fiorentina even though they're in very good form at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then everyone's, then everyone's going to say, oh yeah, it's all good. It's all fine. It, it's not going to be fine. That's what's going to happen. They're going to do this. They're going to see it as a success because they might win the next two games. Uh, but once they come up against Inter, which I no, not Inter, I forgot what the, their next matchup, but they have a big game coming up soon. Um, and when that one comes up against it was someone in the top four, if they don't win that one, then you know, I don't think they will, and then it will go back to that anyway. That's enough Juve ranting for me. I'm going to bring on uh, Adam Connor Padera. Well, got, uh, uh, the, um, they've got um, they've got Lazio after yeah. Fiorentina. Yeah. Yep. So there we go. So yeah, I, I, and Lazio is a team that shows up against the big teams, but doesn't show up against the small teams. So I don't think yeah, we'll win right. that one. So like I said, we'll bring on a former ANU coach, MPL2 coach, Adam Conor eventually to talk Juve because he's, he's a lot more partial when it comes to Allegri than I am. I'm a lot more biased because I really don't like Allegri. I think his pre-stock tactics are horrible, but anyway, that's enough for me ranting on Juve. Michael, uh, if you don't have any uh, thoughts on this, we'll move on to Inter. No, but my thing with Juventus quickly is, uh, I mean, I wasn't to sort of, you know, echo your sentiments. I didn't really see the point of bringing Allegri back because you're just going back to a pastime that towards its end tenure wasn't great. No. So it didn't really make much sense. And like you said, it you would have rather hang on to Pirlo as opposed to Allegri because you've gone through the experiences with Allegri already. Whereas Pirlo was still sort of developing. He was only there for a season. Yes, the football wasn't great. The results weren't great either, but... At least he tried to play well. Yeah, exactly. So you wanted to give that more of a chance if you knew 
that they were thinking of bringing back Allegri, you just would have said, no, like, let's stick it out with Pirlo um, and, and let's see if we can figure it out. But, um, I mean, it's already proving not to be a great move bringing him back. Um, do you think, quickly before we move on, do you think Allegri will last to the end of the season? I, I wouldn't. Look, I... Don't think he will if he loses the next few games in terms of in the league. I think Juve pretty much safe for the round 16 for the Champions League. But in terms of, I, I, I maybe it will be because, you know, they've sacked their last two coaches. Maybe they'll just say, all right, let's stick it out. We're not going to make, we're not going to win the title. We might make the top four if we still stick with Allegri. Um, I mean, you saw those quotes from Allegri where he says, look, Juve, we are a mid-table side now. And I find that funny yeah. because if he said that before he came in, there's no way they would have rehired him. So, like, while he while it might be true, you don't want your coach coming out to say that. Now you can yeah. say that in terms of thing, but some of these players they have there, with some of the great talent, some of the great talent they got there, they should be doing yeah. a lot better than a mid-table team. Uh, even mm-hmm. though technically the way they're playing is correct. I mean, Locatelli is fantastic. So is Chiesa. So is Chiesa. So Kulusevski, I think, is underrated. I think if they let him play properly, he's really good. Uh, McKenny's really good. Obviously, Delict's fantastic as well. Chesney's horrible, but anyway, I don't want to go through the team otherwise. <laughs> but look, I I think they'll keep him for a bit. But if they lose the next few matches in the league, I don't think there's going to be any choice, is there? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, so we had uh, Inter get a two 0 win over Udinese uh, last night. Uh, good to see uh, Joaquin Correa um, score a brace. Uh, like he did a fair few weeks ago to open his Inter account since he moved from Lazio. Um, a great win uh, for Inter. Uh, they've had, a, I would say, some minor slip-ups um, in the league thus far. Um, but I think from a general point of view, it's still reasonably okay. Um how would you sort of assess Inter um, at the moment? Well, more or less just on the re- on the result that they managed to get last night over Udinese. Obviously, Correa getting uh, the two goals. Look, Correa looked good. Um, Inter were all over Udinese, um, and not just in terms of possession. They were pushing them forward. They were trying to get that goal. I mean, look, look Udinese are a team that have done well for what they what they've had. Um, everyone thought they'd be a relegation side season, but they look to be a stable mid site mid t- mid club. Mid-table club. Uh, so Inter, I thought, did really well. They created shit ton, a lot of chances, sorry. Uh, but let's be honest. Um, Inter have had some issues with scoring goals. So maybe Correa coming back is good. Um, yep. Especially in the Champions League. I know you beat Sheriff, but like Barcelona, you, you guys didn't score two goals. You know, you didn't score in your first two matches. Uh, yep. But in, in saying that, though, I still like a lot of the players on Inter, especially Barella. Uh, so... Let's wait and see how uh, Inter go. But I don't have too much more to say about the match because Inter were fairly dominant. I think they're going to be judged with, you know, they have to make the round of 16 of the Champions League. That's a must considering yep. the last two campaigns. Yep. Um, and if, look, they beat Sheriff and if they win again, that's another one. Um, but in terms of the league, seven points behind, obviously you can't afford to slip up too much more. But look... I think one thing that help, helps Inter is that Napoli and Milan both have some key players that will be going to the African Cup of Nations soon. So that's where yeah. Inter can really pick up points. Uh, 
And of course, Napoli, I'm talking about Aussie men. I'm talking about Anguissa. I'm talking about uh, Koulibaly. Uh, Milan with Kessie and Benassad, which is most of their midfield. All the rest of their midfield's injured bar Tonali. So, yeah, I think that's what's going to be key for Inter moving forward. Uh, do you have any thoughts before we move on? Yeah, I think uh, in terms of the match, um, I mean, I'll get into the match first and then sort of what I think beyond that. They were a little bit passive in the in the first half. I mean, apart from, I think, Brella having sort of two or three chances on his own uh, to try and find sort of the back of the net. Inter didn't really create all too much um, in that first half. I think Udinese did a reasonably good job to sort of shut us out in, in that aspect. But in the second half, that changed. I think the the intent was there. They, they moved the ball a lot quicker. They took a little bit more risk, which opened up the pitch a little bit more in the final third. And I think that was sort of highlighted when, you know, Correa scored both of his goals. Um, you know, the first one was down the left-hand side um, after a, sort of a beautiful dummy from uh, Perisic. And then obviously he cuts in, um, beats the defender and uh, scores into the into the bottom corner. And then for his second goal, we attacked down the right side where Dumfries uh, provided a, a great cutback uh, for him to uh, score. Uh, his second goal uh, of the game. And I think that one thing that Correa brings to our forward line that we didn't have necessarily, um, I think, prior to his arrival, if we had had the forward line that we did without getting him in terms of Lotaro, Dzeko uh, and, and uh, Alexis, uh, we would have really lacked a forward that, can sort of get on the ball and dribble and beat players. And I think that's what Correa does really well. Um, he's obviously got nice link-up play as well, but he's a little bit more direct as opposed to those other three players I just mentioned. So um, it was good to see him get on the score sheet. It, it's always been his uh, his downfall. If, if he had to pick an area of his game that he needs to improve, it is his goal scoring because he is considered a forward. But um, he's someone that doesn't find the back of the net all often enough, even during his time at, at Lazio and uh, before that at Sevilla. So uh, we just need to hope that he can find the back of the net more consistently. But the fact that he's got two goals is, is a great sign. Um, obviously, you mentioned the midweek clash we have with Sheriff um, away from home. That's going to be absolutely crucial. The, that one has to be a must win. Yep. Um, if they want to make it through to the round of 16, which I, you know, we've talked about it before. I said that even though Conte left and Simeone came in, that was imperative that we had to make the round of 16. We could not have another season where we fall out in the group stage. We can't afford to fall out of the group stage for a third consecutive season. Um, especially with the success that we had in the league last year, we I think we felt or Inter felt that the next step was to continue Continue that form the league, obviously, but because we had achieved the league title, it was now to focus on the Champions League, getting further in the Champions League, and you can't do that if you're getting knocked out in the group stage. So they've been in this position a couple of times over the last two seasons in the Champions League, and they haven't managed to come out on top. So this is absolutely crucial for for Inter to sort of right that right that wrong over the last two seasons. 
Uh, they need to win uh, in Sheriff. So it, it all starts there and they obviously need to continue their form in the league. And I think that, like you mentioned, the um, interference of the African Cup and Nations in terms of the players that it will take out of the league into that competition may benefit uh, into more than some of those other top sides. So we'll just have to wait uh, and see. But I mean, at the same time, I didn't really expect Milan and Napoli to have sort of this abnormal start to the season. They're actually doing really well. So we just have to wait and see. At Milan, Roma this morning. I watched this game. Ibrahimovic and Kessie with the goals. Ibrahimovic scoring from a free kick, mate. He's just... Yep. He's, he's ageless. He's ageless. Kessie I know, scored. he keeps doing it. Oh, keeps mate, producing. it's amazing. And he had Kessie scored from the penalty spot. Roma uh, won. El Shadrawi scored um, uh, in the dying minutes. Was it a penalty uh, and a red card for... Sorry, it was the second yellow for Hernandez. So... Maybe you can say, look, it's his fault anyway because he shouldn't have got the first yellow before this one. Did you see that quickly? That uh, yeah, he sort of threw himself. And some people yeah. say that. What well, first did you think he threw himself, or did he just was he falling anyway? Yeah, I, I don't know. It's 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 honestly tough. It is uh, yeah. to say, but like you said, man, I think he sort of brung it upon himself um, by putting himself in that position, um, but. I guess the silver lining to that is that Milan was still able to win and they, they were still able to continue that form. But I think going forward, um, obviously Teo is one of their best players um, in that in that left-back uh, position. So he'll be uh, missed depending on yeah. how many games he's going to miss through that, um, through that suspension. But um, it's another win for them. And Roma um, obviously come up short again against... Uh, one of the big, big sides uh, in the league. Um, so not not a good result for them. But Milan continue to um, their fine form, uh, competing with Napoli at the moment at the top of the table. They've got a reasonably good cushion that they've built uh, themselves. Uh, they've had a very good start to the season, and I think you can only really give Pioli credit for what he's been able to build. Uh, with with this squad, obviously he's had a few chances with different clubs uh, in Italy, but it hasn't worked out the way that he had hoped. But it seems that he's really found a home uh, at, at AC Milan and, and the players uh, are delivering what he wants um, in terms of the way that they play. And um, you can expect for them to have, a, to, to have a very good season. And I think that's a squad that sort of have been together for a little bit now as well. So they're all familiar with each other and that's sort of what is so important when you're looking at a team that wants to be successful and wants to win titles, they have to have that sort of continuity and they have to be together um, for a decent amount of time. You're not going to get players in there straight away that haven't really played with each other before and expect instant success. It takes maybe a year, two or three uh, to really build that. And I think that's what they've built um, at Milan with that squad that they've got um, under Pioli. Yeah, no, it should be interesting. Uh, but uh, in terms, like Milan have done very well. Like I said, it should be interesting in terms of the African Cup of Nations, considering with the amount of injuries they already have, add the players leaving, it should be interesting. Uh, we'll, we'll talk more about Napoli last night, but I've been very, very impressed. And uh, Spalletti's proved me wrong quite a bit at the moment. So uh, well done to them, especially Aussie men's been a beast. Roma, yep. in terms of them, it, it, it just doesn't look like, look, they, they, they're still fourth, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. But my issue with them is they, 
Mourinho's improved them in terms of the smaller teams and being more consistent and beating, you know, and winning more games, you know, being more consistent, like I mentioned. But for me, they still haven't been able to, they haven't been able to win a game against any of the big sides they've played so far. And they've played a few this season. I mean, the best result they've got was a draw against Napoli, which is pretty good because they're the only ones that to take it off them. But they haven't been able to get a win, I don't think, against any of the big sides that I've, um, you know, seen. And it doesn't look like they are, but I guess there are still a few players off. Their squads aren't as deep as the others. Uh, not saying Maria isn't doing a good job, but at the moment he hasn't been able to do what Fonseca wasn't able to do last year. And that's get, constant results over the bigger sides, but he has improved them in, in general. And uh, let's hope that they do a lot better in Europe than they did against, I yep. forgot even who the team was. So that proves how poorly they did. Yeah. Well, they didn't even have a, they didn't even have a, um, a, a logo. Yeah. When horrible. you searched them up on Google. Horrible, horrible. <laughs> so uh, in saying that though, they're still doing decently in the league. So Mourinho, the Mourinho effect is working there uh, so far. All right. The results that we haven't rattled off are Atalanta, Lazio 2-2. Um, Torino, big win over Sampdoria, 3-0. Juric is doing well there. 3-0 for Fiorentino over Spezia. Vincenzo Italiano is doing well there. 0-0 for Genoa and Venezia battling relegation. I believe they're both still just above the relegation zone. Despite that, Napoli, 1-0 win over Salernitana, keeps them on top. Uh, Empoli, big, big 2-1 victory over Sassuolo. Sassuolo, for me, plays some of the best football in the league. Very underrated side in, in terms of the Serie A. And there's still one more match to go, which will be played tomorrow morning. As of this uh, recording, when it comes out, it'll be, it would have already played Bologna against Cagliari. Okay, now next up, we have quick hits where Michael and I just bring up a few topics from uh, outside uh, Serie A and EPL, and we just uh, discuss it. I'll start. Um, Ronald Koeman's been fired from Barcelona. Look, my thoughts on this, uh, look, it was bound to happen. Uh, you heard all the the rumors and whatnot that uh, Barcelona didn't sack him at the start of the season because they couldn't afford to, uh, which, you know, for the Barca haters, that just was uh, laughter to their ears. Uh, But look, this was bound to happen. Uh, They were performing horribly. Didn't score a goal in the first two Champions League matches. Uh, One, one. uh, So this is the first match with, uh, without Koeman. They were one, one against Alaves still isn't doing very well in that regard. There's a lot of work to do at Barcelona. We haven't even touched on the Messi thing and I won't because that's a lot. But yeah, they are currently 11 points off the top spot. They're in ninth place. Only, oh, sorry. And they're six points off uh, Atletico at the moment. And Raul Sociedad's on top. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see. But look, Barcelona, not very good at the moment. It looks like Xavi's going to come in, but we'll have to wait and see on that yeah. one. But uh, look, Xavi's only done played in Qatar, but I guess we'll discuss that on future episodes. Michael, what's your uh, quick hit up next? Yeah, so up next, we've got um, obviously Real Madrid. Um, they um, had a good 2-1 win uh, over uh, Elche. Obviously, both goals from Vinicius. And Vinicius Jr. is someone that he's having a, he's having a real breakout uh, season for Real Madrid. It's taken him a, a bit of time. There was obviously a lot of hype when he arrived from Brazil um, in terms of sort of the flashiness uh, that 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 he possesses. The, the, the talent is obvious, but it, it just looked like over those last couple of seasons, he just wasn't able to put it together on a consistent 
basis, but you could see the talent yeah. um, and how he's able to sort of get the ball and beat players, but there's no end product. Whereas this season, he's proven to have a lot more of an end product. He's more clinical in front of goal and he had two well-taken uh, finishes against uh, Elche. So um, they're obviously uh, in second position uh, at the moment behind Real Sociedad, who are having a, a great season, only losing one of their 12 uh, matches. Obviously, Madrid still has a game in hand. So um, they obviously have the opportunity to leapfrog Sociedad um, if they do win that uh, game in hand. Uh, but nevertheless, Madrid are having uh, a good start uh, to the season uh, under Ancelotti, uh, a coach that they used to obviously uh, have. Uh, we talked about that, obviously, with with um, Allegri being at Juventus before and now taking over again, but it not quite working out. It's working out a lot better for uh, Ancelotti at Real Madrid, that's for sure. Matt, what's next? Next up, we have Bayern Munich. They're, they bounce back after their shock 5-0 loss midweek in the German Cup to Mönchengladbach. They beat Union Berlin 5-2. Uh, Bayern Munich, only one point above Dortmund at the moment. is a very tight race in the Bundesliga. Bayern Munich is a team for me that, along with, for me, along with Liverpool and uh, I guess PSG and City, one of the favourites for the Champions League. They've looked very good in the Champions League. They've looked very good in the Bundesliga. Uh, I'm a big fan of Nagelsmann and the the way he plays football. Very positive uh, football. High press. It's great to see some of the plays, some of the goals. Just go check them out. Just fantastic. It's good to see Muller as well, still scoring as well for Bayern Munich. So it's great to see. And in terms of the Bundesliga, uh you know, we've uh, I mentioned Dortmund are only one point uh, behind. What a great side they are to watch as well. Uh, we'll definitely keep an eye on the Bundesliga because that race is going to hotten up. And for me, they play some uh, fantastic football by Munich. So keep an eye out for them. What's next up, Michael? So we had PSG uh, win again, uh, 2-1 against Lille. Uh, obviously, Marquinhos and Di Maria on the score sheet for Paris Saint-Germain. But Matt, that leaves one elusive name off the score sheet again in yep. La Liga. It's Messi. He's not. He's still not able to uh, score um, his first goal. He's still searching for his first goal in in Liga. Um, it's been, I think, five matches now that he that he hasn't managed to uh, produce a, a goal. Obviously, he's scored um, for PSG in the Champions League, um, but it hasn't worked out for him so far. Uh, in Liga, which I think is a little bit surprising uh, because obviously we always talk about the French league being, you know, not of the same quality as the other, you know, uh, top leagues uh, in the world. So it's a little bit concerning to think that Messi still hasn't opened his account, but sometimes it can take a player a little bit of time to adapt to new settings and a new league and a new country. So, um, but We'll have to wait and see. We, we're still uh, waiting for Messi to score his first goal, but I'm sure in future episodes uh, for this show, Matt, we'll get um, our French specialist, uh, Jeremy Magan, uh, to discuss sort of all things uh, league and I'm sure he's sort of in, enjoying um, the French football uh, at the moment because I know for a fact that he doesn't want PSG um, doing well, so... Um, yeah, a little bit surprising though, Matt, quickly before we move on to 
um, our next sort of quick fire, uh, quick hit. Um, a little bit surprised. Obviously, it's a bit of a silly question. Obviously, it is a little surprising to see that Messi still hasn't opened his account in league earn. But, I mean, is there sort of a real sort of cause of concern there? Or do you think it'll it'll all sort of blow over when he gets that first one anyway? Why not? Yeah, yeah look, I think it will. I think we just got to wait and see for the way the season ends. I think what would be more devastating for PSG is if they were in a title race. And at the moment, it doesn't look like that's the case. They're yep. eight points above Nice. Now, I could be wrong. PSG could drop a few points and then Nice uh, or Marseille slide in there. But at the moment, they're... Off, off to the, off to the races in the Liga, uh, in the Champions League. Let's wait and see how that uh, pans out. That's going to be their main thing. They're going to be judged on the Champions League this year, and I think uh, Jeremy's obviously more uh, adept to answer that. But I think if they were like neck and neck with the team right now, and Messi hadn't scored, I think the pressure would be a lot more uh, than it is now. I think it's only a matter of time before Messi scores. For me, I'm going to wait to reserve judgment on PSG to see how they go specifically in the Champions League, and if. They end up uh, um, sort of, you know, conceding some sort of defeat and they end up losing their big lead in Ligo. Then I'll, that's when I'll be judging PSG in that regard. All right, next up, uh, last up, we got UCL back midweek. Uh, what fixtures stand out to you, Michael? For me, obviously, you're going to mention uh, United Atalanta. That's massive for them. Uh, yep. If Atalanta have a few more of their starters back, I think it'll be more of a match more of a matchup in the second half than we saw at Old Trafford. Mm-hmm. And it'll be a great atmosphere there at, in Bergamo as well. Uh, for me, Milan-Porto is a is going to be a, a, is a fixture that stands out because this is a must-win for Milan. They haven't won a game yet. If yep. they want to make the next round or even if they just want to make the Europa League, they need to win this one. It is must-win. And then, of course, Liverpool and Atletico. Uh, Liverpool obviously have something to prove after their loss to Atletico. So... That's gonna. That's another interesting one. Uh, any more that stand out to you, Michael? Well, I'm just having a look at the uh, the fixtures here, Matt. And I mean, there honestly aren't too many that stand out yep. aside from the ones that you mentioned. But I think, um, obviously, I think we have to talk about Inter and Sheriff. Uh, look, <laughs> if you look, you, guys, you guys are the ones that shot the sheriff, so. Uh, yeah, you gotta you gotta back it up now. Go to Moldova right. or sorry, disputed land or whatever it is at the moment over there. I think one yep. as well to look keep an eye on is Dortmund and Ajax. Let's not forget. Oh yeah, got thrashed by Ajax four 0 So Dortmund have something to prove, and they're at home. So let's wait and see. Yep, yep, absolutely. They need to sort of bounce back in a big way after that heavy defeat, and they're doing well in the league as well. They just need to translate that form over uh, into the Champions League. Hundred percent, Michael. That was a good first episode. Hopefully, we'll uh, we'll bring on some guests as well throughout uh, the the summer detour. Uh, if you're just tuning in once again, uh, uh, this is our sort of you know summer detour. Our main focus will still always be on Canberra NPL, but isn't a lot going on besides the FA Cup, which we will uh, bring some sort of coverage to you in terms of a preview with me and then a review with me and Michael as well. Uh, well so we'll do that. Uh, later on when that happens at the end of the month. Michael, any last thoughts before you wrap up here? Uh, no, just looking forward to all the to all the fixtures, obviously the upcoming Champions League fixtures uh, midweek. 
and then the league action on the weekend. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can sort of recap some of the result over the next uh, two to three weeks uh, whenever we decide to do uh, an episode next. Awesome. Thanks for that, Michael. And uh, we'll see you next time. Enjoy the football. And if we come back to you, it might be after the international break, depending on our schedule. So if that's the case, enjoy the international break. Thank you very much, everybody. That was our first episode of Euro Summer Detour.